It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, going to the amusement park, getting both more expensive and less at the same time, the more is part of today's Clark Rage. And coming up yet later, diamonds, not your wallet's best friend, but there's something that making, that's making diamonds cheaper. Wait till you hear what it is and how much cheaper diamonds are becoming. I'm going to talk right now about the grocery business. The supermarket business is going through extreme change right now. As there are more and more players selling groceries, we've got Amazon sticking its nose in with buying whole paycheck, and in addition, getting into two-hour delivery in Whole Foods cities for free for Amazon Prime members, although it is Whole Foods prices. And so the things have really heated up. If you ever go to Walmart, you've seen the massive effort they're putting into grocery pickup. They're using a bright orange color uh, to designate on the side of their buildings where you go and you pick up either things you've ordered at walmart.com or to pick up groceries. And so the ways you can buy groceries, the stuff going on with, um, with the various services that will deliver groceries to your home, Target getting in a big way, buying one of the big grocery delivery services. I mean, we are in a time of the greatest change in the grocery business since World War II. So in the midst of all this, who's doing the best? I look at a number of surveys and studies of who's doing the best job. And in terms of overall quality, according to the Dunhumby study, which is one that the supermarket industry itself, it's really an internal industry study uh, for, for people in the business, not for you and me to know about, when people are surveyed, the highest quality in the supermarket business overall across the country is from Wegmans. In second place, Fresh Market, which is a uh, Wegmans is regional, Fresh Market is mostly regional. And in third place, Trader Joe's. But when you look at price alone, the winner nationally is Aldi followed by Market Basket, and followed by Winco. And Market Basket, if you may remember years ago, was a very publicized struggle for control in a family. And in spite of all that, they've been able to keep their price points and keep their loyal customers. When you ask who is the best overall, who offers what's considered to be when you mix quality and price into what's known as value, which is the value equation, it's no longer Wegmans or Aldi. Trader Joe's moves into first place. That People see them as the overall best mix of quality and price. In second place, not even making the list on the other list, Costco Wholesale. 
And then in third place, the biggest surprise of all coming out of nowhere, Amazon. So as you see, the industry is being turned upside down, inside out. The fascinating thing from, and this remember, this is a survey really for the internal industry, is that the big supermarket traditional chains aren't appearing when, place, or show in any of the categories. And they've got a lot of adjusting to do. And to add more pressure to them, the most feared supermarket chain in the world, Lidl, L-I-D-L, has started a small presence in the United States along the East Coast from uh, New York City to Atlanta and a lot of places in between. And Lidl, which is kind of like a cross between Aldi and Trader Joe's, has had an initial rough time in the United States figuring out our market. But uh, they are a powerhouse, and Lidl mixed with Aldi and countries where both of them operate have been brutal for any competition in whatever country it is. And Lidl eventually will either get it right in the United States or they'll pack up and go home licking their wounds. But what Lidl has done is they create so much fear in the traditional supermarket chains As an example, in the Carolinas, grocery prices at the traditional supermarket players have dropped and stayed down as much as 30 or 40% for your overall shopping basket because Lidl is such a terrifying threat to them. And so it is, particularly for people on the eastern seaboard, this is a year that grocery prices are going to be so favorable to your wallet if you're in a market that is served by Lidl and it is a a great, great time to be in there seeing prices go the way you want them to go down instead of up. Now, if Lidl fails, obviously in the U.S., the big supermarket operators that have priced out of fear will go back to higher prices. But for now, it's a great parade to be shopping in. George is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, George. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, George. So you're a teenager. Yes. And as a teenager, you want to do what already? Roth IRA. Okay, so I'm just dying with curiosity, George. Yeah. Most adults don't know what a Roth is. How are you so savvy and know about this already as a teenager? Uh, uh, because I think last year I took a uh, personal finance class that talked all about that. And my dad, he also wanted um, to open one for me also. Well, good for your dad and especially great for whatever teacher at your high school thought this was important stuff for you to know, and then really props to you because I'm sure in that class a lot of people were zoning out. Yeah, there were some people. (laughs) And and so (laughs) you're the one who's going to benefit because you were actually tuning in and listening, and that's good stuff. So um, what, what do you understand about how a Roth works? I know it's money for, like, retirement, and um, 
you earn money through interest. That's what I know so far. Okay. So generally, at your age, you would not be earning interest. You would invest. And you would take a risk over the short term that you could lose money. But over the long term, you make a lot more money by investing in companies in your Roth. And it's really easy to do. How much are you going to earn this year working? This year, maybe about $6,000. All right, and that's the max you can put in a Roth in a year. Okay. But if you were able to put that much money into a Roth in this year, that would be a massive amount of money way down the road that you would be able to spend tax-free. Okay. Because you could figure your money will double sometime on average between every eight and ten years, which you have in there. Okay. So it gets to be a a significant amount of money. If you think about, let's just say uh, ten years from now, six becomes twelve. Ten years after that, twelve becomes twenty-four. Ten years after that, it becomes forty-eight. Ten years after that, it becomes uh, 96, and ten years after that, it becomes uh, almost $200,000, just that 6000 and then you spend that money tax-free. Okay. So, I guess my question would be, what, because there's so many out there already, I don't really know which one to go into, I guess. All right, well, I have a cheat sheet on Clark.com. Okay. on my investment guide, and I tilt very heavily towards you doing your Roth with one of the three big low-cost companies, which are Fidelity Investments, Charles Schwab, and Vanguard. Oh, Vanguard? Yeah. Oh, you know Vanguard? Yeah, I have. I think I, am, I have a star fund in there. Oh, man, that's great. So since you're already at Vanguard, you can open a Roth IRA at Vanguard, and uh, until you're uh, legally considered to be an adult, your dad has to open it uh, for your benefit, but it's your money. And okay. I would recommend putting it in the target retirement fund where they handle a mix of investments for you and automatically change it over the decades to be appropriate as you would move closer to retirement through the decades. Okay. So are those three ones on, those are on the website, on the list on your website? Yeah. So if you go to Clark.com and and put in the search box investment guide, skip past the ads that pop up and then just click on my investment guide and it'll give you a a pretty simple explanation. Okay. So this is great stuff because you save this money now and obviously the long-term impact is phenomenal. Go ahead. I want you to do something weird, all right? Name that teacher and what high school you go to. You want me to name it right now? Yeah, name it right on the air. Okay, her name is Miss Crook from Newtown High School. In what state? Oh, Connecticut. All right. Well, uh, I'm really grateful to her for, for making this part of the curriculum because I think it's an enormous benefit to you, George, and the... Other students that were staring out the window, they're not going to have the benefit of her wisdom, but you're going to have the benefit of all that money because you tuned in 
and you're taking advantage. Good job. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. Hey, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Jim. You've got a question for me about a method of home borrowing. Yeah, I've uh, been looking at a way to take some equity out of my house. I've got a fair amount of equity in the home and I got something in the mail that was kind of intriguing, but a little puzzling to me because I hadn't heard of the concept before. Basically, uh, it's an investment house and their concept is that they appraise the value of your home today. And then they loan you a certain part of the equity that you have in the house at no interest and no payments. Um, but the catch uh, is, or their their investment is, that <clears throat> the difference between the equity at the time you take the loan and the value of the home, uh, when you sell the home, they participate in the uh, the increase or the decrease, as they say, um, in whatever happens between the time they loan you the money and when you sell your home. Okay, these are known as shared appreciation mortgages or right. loans. And I only advise them in a situation that is very specific and particular. Like, okay. let's say there are, some self, um, there are some of these loans that are for people who can't afford to come up with all the down payment money on a home they're mm-hmm. buying. Mm-hmm. Or someone has lost their job and they're desperate for money to be able to stay in the home and mm-hmm. uh, keep that house going, especially mm-hmm. since you don't have to pay back the money. But mm-hmm. just as a source of funds, you don't want to do a shared appreciation mortgage because you're left with the responsibility for managing that rental property all through the years. And then with really no effort other than that they took a share of the equity that was already there and lent against it, mm. they end up with a big chunk of the appreciated value over time. Hmm. So well, my I, understanding was in reading the product uh, offering, and again, I haven't seen the actual paperwork yet. I've only seen the marketing stuff. Uh, but my understanding was, so let's say the value of the home, this is a home that I live in, and let's say the value of the home was $500,000. <clears> on the day they loan you the money. So they take that number and then that's the base. And then if you sell the home, say 10 years out for $700,000, they take a piece of the equity between five and 700, not, not your original equity stake. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. That is correct. But if you right. look at the math on that and the shared appreciation over the years, you'll see this is something that you need to do for a very specific personal reason because you don't want to essentially mortgage part of the value that you're taking the risk for down the road. I I don't look at this as a free source of funds. I look at this as actually costing your uh, yourself a lot of money down the road far beyond what it would be to service, let's say, a home equity line. If you love going to amusement parks, you're not going to really like how the prices have been going up. I mean, Disneyland alone is going up an average increase of 10% year over year. And this has been a trend as the economy's gotten stronger. The amusement parks have found that they're not meeting price resistance. They can keep raising prices, and until attendance drops, they're going to feel comfortable raising prices. But that's only part of the story. 
The other part of it is variable pricing. And in the example of the Disneyland price increase, the price for a day ranges anywhere from just over 100 bucks to 150 and everywhere in between based on what's known as dynamic demand pricing, which is taking over the amusement park industry. Before you plan a trip like to Central Florida or to amusement park anywhere, go look at their calendar of prices and help plan your trip based on the calendar and how much money you can save by going certain times. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anybody ever rip you off. If you're looking for deals, check out ClarkDeals.com where we got bargains for you all the time. So speaking of something that is a very expensive item, seldom a bargain, diamonds. And the diamond industry is an ultra-successful industry. It is controlled by a near cartel called De Beers. Don't even know what market share De Beers has overall of the diamond market. But diamond mining is dangerous, hard work. And there's a development that I first raised on the show over a decade ago. And it was that scientists in the laboratory had been able to completely duplicate 100% chemically all the way down to the base. I'm not a scientist, but whatever you call it, the diamonds in a lab now are identical in molecular structure, as that would be called to a diamond dug out of the ground. But when I first talked about it more than a decade ago, a diamond grown in a lab was actually more expensive than one that was dug out of the ground. But that was then, this is now, and I just saw new numbers on this from the Financial Times, and the cost of a diamond dug out of the ground versus one that is created in a lab. Absolutely identical, by the way, identical. That the cost of a lab diamond has dropped by 94% in cost for the actual production of it. At retail now, and I think this operation is owned by De Beers Lightbox, which I talked about, I think, a year ago when they were first gelling this concept. They're selling a one-carat diamond for 800 bucks, But it's not a cloudy diamond. It's not, uh, what do they call that, occluded diamond. It is a lab-produced, perfect diamond, 800 bucks a carat. But it's going to get steadily cheaper from there because... There are a number of companies that are perfecting the process of lab growing a diamond. And this is different than people who are considering cubic zirconia or something like this. This is an actual exact copy of a diamond. It is a diamond. 
just not made in danger. And I think this is where, for so many people, except those that are extreme traditionalists, this is where things are going to go. So if you are getting engaged and you're making a joint decision, a guy buying you a diamond may not consider this to be an acceptable choice to you. Tell him it's an acceptable choice because you can potentially get a much nicer stone, bigger one, for less money. And my wife doesn't know this. I wonder if I should say. I'm buying her one of these for her to be a sample test and let me know if she's happy with the look and the quality and all the rest. And maybe we'll let her go in the air and give her personal analysis of whether or not she's happy and excited by this diamond. Yep, lab created, just fine with me. Leland's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Leland. How are you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Leland. How can I be uh, of service to you? I have a question. Um, uh, one of the, uh, I'm thinking about maybe opening a brokerage account, and I'm wondering if TD Ameritrade or maybe a smaller, smaller brokerage firm would would that be better than TD Ameritrade or some of these other like Fidelity? Well, who yeah. else are you considering? Uh, I'm considering maybe Robinhood. So it's not exactly the same kind of thing. So Robinhood is booming because Robinhood does free stock trades. And yeah. it's a very simple platform on your Android or iPhone. And people have been uh, really happy with Robinhood. I cannot think of a single complaint I've ever had about Robinhood. Uh, actually, yeah. I did have one. I had an industry insider who said, I'm not uh, getting into the the dirty laundry about how order flow works on stock exchanges. But as a general rule, I don't think that's something that that most people asking me about investing really tune into. As for customer service, customer no service, whatever, I've had no complaints about Robinhood. Now, you mentioned Ameritrade, uh, using Schwab, whatever, using any of the brokers. Trading costs are really low now across the board. And we're okay. talking about a lot of... A lot of ability for you to trade routinely at $5 or so a trade. And then a lot of things that you can trade for free at so many brokerages now. The discount brokerages trading exchange traded funds, ETFs, which are like stocks of stocks where you can, they're almost like index funds, but you buy them as stocks and sell them as stocks that are available from so many people commission free. Uh, so how much trading are you going to do? How much money are you putting into this? Uh, uh, well, my, my grandpa, we, we'd all, we, would, we had always talked about him opening me one, and he was going to put some money into it, and he was just looking around. And it kind of got me looking, you know, just kind of got me looking into stocks. So if kinda. you're going to do, do just infrequent trading, not have a huge amount of money in this, and own just a handful of stocks, 
I'd say you're fine with Robin Hood. Okay, because I was I was looking at the like I said TD Ameritrade, and then I looked at Robin Hood, and there was an article about how Robin Hood was my you know in the next couple of years might be a downfall because of the free trading or something like that. I, you know, I'm I'm not particularly worried about that. They're SIPC, which means whatever you have, if they did go under, all your holdings are safe up to half a million dollars. Okay. So uh, I'm not at all worried. I'm not unsettled or anything like that. And a lot of people in the industry hate Robin Hood because they're really the ones who brought the whole concept of being able to trade at such low cost, in their case for free, into the market. So um, I think it's even a great place to start is to use Robin Hood. Okay, because you know I'm I'm 22 years old, so I don't I'm not I'm not familiar with the whole stock exchange, and we were just looking around, and I had come across the article about how um, with the free with the free trading and how they don't charge you a, a fee when you trade. He uh, the article was saying that that it's going to go under in a couple of years because of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. I don't believe that at all. All they have to do is run a good business. They're making, they're doing just fine at Robinhood, and uh, free sounds like a good price, and it's a very easy platform for you to learn about buying and selling stocks. I'd give it a shot. Heather's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Heather. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you today? Good, thank you, Heather. How can I serve you? Well, I was calling because I got an email. Um, well, I saw an ad not so long ago about advertising for a large soft drink company on my car. Um, and so the only way for me to inquire was to fill out the, you know, the, the uh, information form. Um, but I wasn't really interested in doing it on my car. I wanted to know if I could do it on my motorcycle. So I was expecting, you know, for someone to reach out. Well, the next thing I know, I received an email telling me that they've sent me a check um, with a tracking number, and they have, you know, want me to cash this check. Did you hear? Money. Did you hear the sound, Heather? Maybe from riding your motorcycle, it's too loud. You didn't hear the cow just then. <laughs> I did hear that. That uh, that's a, a pile of horse manure or cow manure <laughs> or some kind of manure. <laughs> That they sent you, that is a, unfortunately, a uh, very nasty scam. I figured as much. And I did not cash the check. And I, in fact, I didn't even open the envelope. What do I do with this envelope? Do I return it to sender? Do I no, burn just, it? No, just uh, put it in a drawer to remember that there are people who are going to try to scam you every possible way. Let me tell you how mm-hmm. it plays next, just so you'll know and other people will know. So what they'll tell you is cash the check and you take a certain amount of the money and you send to their um, supplier who's going to wrap your motorcycle with That's the exactly advertising. exactly what they said. Yep. And then the people you're sending that portion to are actually just back to the crooks. Mm-hmm. And then the check you've deposited will bounce and you're out all the money. That's not good. Not good at all. So... This idea of wrapping a car, 20 years ago, 
this was a real business. Mm -hmm. But in recent years, it mm -hmm. really has had almost no legitimate players in it. The only legit I know, and I don't know that they do motorcycles in addition to vehicles, is called Rapify, W-R-A-P-I-F-Y dot com. Okay. But that check is just a reminder that there are some real terrible people in the world. Yes, and I was also concerned because in the email they sent me, they told me that someone was going to come to my home. And, you know, when I filled out that registration form, they have my address now. And I'm a little nervous that some yeah, random don't be, person don't be worried. show up at my house. Don't be worried. Don't be worried. Okay. Okay. All they're interested in is stealing the money and never being visible to anybody. Right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. And if somebody calls you and says, why haven't you cashed the check? You say, oh, I decided not to do it. So right. I just mm -hmm. cut the check up. Yep. How's that? Thank you. Thank Have you a so great much. day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Jim. How can I be of service to you? Yes, I just have a question regarding my 401k. Okay. I just wanted to, to see because I'm, I'm at a new company and I'm looking to not only enroll, but also roll over from a previous company. And with that, I typically would utilize one of the target date 401k options. And I took a little bit of a closer look at this and I noticed that the net expenses on, on these target dates seem to be a good deal higher than if I was to build from the selection that I have in front of me. Ooh, how, um, mu how much is the target date fund? Well, the target date fund, uh, it's coming up at 6.6% uh, 6 .6 for net expenses. You mean 0. 0.66? I'm sorry, 0. 0.66. Yeah, don't, don't scare me. You'd have to get to an annuity <laughs> for it to be a cost of 6.6. <laughs> 6. So 0. 0.66 is very high for a target yeah. retirement fund. So you're thinking of constructing your own. How old are you, Jim? Uh, I am almost 40. Okay, so you are planning to work for like uh, 25 more years? Yeah, somewhere probably in that 20 to 25 range, yeah. So you would normally look at like a 2045 target retirement fund, I'd guess. Exactly. So you can... If you want, if the fees are much lower on the individual funds in your 401k plan, you could, since there's no um, tax implications and you're willing to do it, you could look at what makes up the elements of that target retirement fund. Instead, in the same ratio, put money in other fund choices in the plan that would closely approximate that target right. retirement fund and Five years from now, look again and maybe change those allocations, or maybe five years from now, they'll stop overcharging you in expenses on the target retirement fund. Do you have some index fund choices in the plan that have really low costs? Yes. What I've found is that it appears that Vanguard uh, seems to be the lowest cost, and you know they have options of uh, you know index funds. Uh, Five, Vanguard 500, mid-cap, small-cap, that kind of thing. Uh, and basically, overall, the Vanguard just seems to be a lot less when it comes to the expenses. Oh, so, sure, sure. Yeah. So if you if you were willing, and it's pretty easy for you with it being 2019, if like in 2025, 2030, on like that, 
if you would just every every half decade is all you'd have to do is go and look at how the mix has changed in the target retirement fund and just change that mix. Or what I would do instead, since you've got all those low-cost Vanguard choices, forget the target retirement fund choice in your 401k. Go to Vanguard's site, look at how they build their 2045 fund. Hmm. And, okay. Just, okay. and just take the individual component Vanguard funds and put them in the ratio that would equal what's in that 2045. Okay, that makes sense. All right. That's and that could that will probably reduce your expenses from 0.66 to like 0.10 or somewhere around there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now that, that sounds good. It's funny. I've never really taken this deep of a dive, but then after looking at it, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it might make sense, but I wanted to check to make sure I wasn't missing something. <laughs> I was on a flight recently where a flight attendant asked me to look at her 401k from the airline she works for and so i'm looking through and it was fascinating because the airline that she works for the target retirement funds were ridiculously expensive and then they had some index funds that were almost free almost no management expense at all and so we talked through based on her age how to do kind of like what i just talked with you about Well, best to you, and good job on digging in and finding out what the real cost is. And Joel, do we have time for a quick ask, Clark? Yeah, Clark, we sure do. And Brianna wrote in and she says, I got a Chromebook recently, Clark, for financial transactions only, like you suggest. Should I use it as a guest instead of signing onto the computer with my actual Gmail account? Yeah, so I've had people give me two ideas on that from the tech field. One is to always access the financial accounts as guests or to set up a separate Gmail address that's just for the financial Chromebook and use it as a separate sign-in for doing financial transactions as a way to provide a great security barrier for you. But either sound like great ideas. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.